Dear President Vladimir Putin, I'm so sorry that I was not your mother. If I was your mother, you would have been so loved, held in the arms of joyous light. Never would the story's plight the world unfurled before our eyes, a pure demise of nations sitting peaceful under a night sky. If I was your mother, the world would have been warm, so much laughter and joy and nothing would harm. I can't imagine the stain, the soul-stealing pain that the little boy you must have seen and believed and the formulation of thought quickly taught that you lived in a cruel, unjust world. Is this why you now decide no one will get the best of you? Oh yeah, my favorite podcast is the Sick and Wrong Podcast. It's a funny, 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 funny show. Sick and Wrong Podcast is a wonderful podcast. It's a miraculous podcast. It's like the best podcast in the whole wide, wide, wide world. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. One of your hosts, E. Simon. Hello, comrades. It is I, Kate Rambo. Kate Rambo, we're on the brink of World War Three. We're not, but okay. Brink of World War Three. Do you not um, think that's uh, pretty insulting to all the millions and millions of people who've been killed or displaced in the Middle East in the last twenty years? No, no, no. It's fine. The Ukraine is World War Three, but Middle East, we'll just forget about them. They're always at war in the Middle East. Oh, de- oh is it cool? So what are we going to have like, <laughs> so if, if, we're counting, if we're counting all the Middle East wars, it'd be like World War 69. We're well, World yeah, War Three because it involves Europe. But Kate Rambo's beloved authoritarian strongman here, Vladimir <laughs> Putin, might He's start flexing. World War Three. Yeah, you've told me before in the past that you've wanked to him on more than one occasion. I've not wanked to him, but I greatly admire the man. Out of all the, like, I think of all, he's doing what crazy dictators should do. They're not just releasing statements to the press so, saying that they invented the burrito. So do you admire all dictators, like Saddam Hussein? What do you think of him? No, he's attracted to him? Uh, Although my favorite Saddam Hussein fact is that he really, really loved Cheetos and Doritos. I didn't know that. Hmm. They're not my favorite of Chris. They're not what I'm going to choose. But you remember when he was hiding out in his hidey hole? He had Doritos. He just all Doritos? <laughs> yeah, Doritos. What about Idi Amin? Are you a big fan of him? No, also not a fan of him. How, how do you I admire... like him because he likes animals. Same with Hitler. Liked animals. So you admire Hitler, you admire Putin. What about Trump? <laughs> he likes, or Trump doesn't like animals. Trump hates animals. Yeah, yeah there was no, not a dog in the White House, was there, for Trump? First time in like 100 years. Well, we'll see what your man crush ends up doing over in the Ukraine. Um, So Putin attacked uh, this past week um, the so-called Western-supported nationalists in power in Kiev. And uh, he called the West an empire of lies. An empire of lies. Do you know what? (laughs) To be fair to Putin, I don't really know why he wants Kiev. Because chicken Kievs are one of the worst foods of all time ever invented. They're either... When you cook them, they either spill their guts on the entire inside, so you never get your garlic. I've never had and the molten. I've never had it. I've always thought it sounds. Have you never disgusting, even had like personally. a meat replacement, Kiev? 
No, I'm not. I honestly don't even know what chicken Kiev is. And do they even eat it in Kiev? Like, is that a thing? Yeah, that it's the, the name, chicken Kiev. Across the yeah, but is that there. a thing or is that just something that's just like, nah, people don't even really eat burritos in Mexico. We eat tacos. I'm pretty sure they you eat know? chicken Kievs. And, and, <laughs> unless it was like a 1950s thing, like duck a la ronge. But they should be proud. It's schnitzel with garlic at the end of the day, but it explodes. They're terrible food. So uh, your beloved dictator is... Uh, currently annexing and invading uh, the Ukraine on a peacekeeping mission because that's what that's what that's what Russians are doing they are going in on a peacekeeping mission well there is a terrorist organization in that area don't forget yeah he's denazifying the Ukraine uh, but meanwhile <laughs> yeah meanwhile just driving tanks right over civilians cars did you see that was my favorite video so far cuz i love how the internet is just making memes of this whole war which is great cuz that's what we do now um Meanwhile, we're like putting sanctions, you know, we're imposing sanctions, everything, you know, there's civilians being murdered. The president of the Ukraine, Zelensky, who's Jewish, by the way. Um, and a very good looking man. I must yeah. say he has since become a hero of the wall. I think he has entered a lot of people's wank banks. I got to say, I admire that guy because if Russians were invading like Washington, D.C., Trump and fucking Biden would get the fuck out of there with their families. They would be like in some kind of shelter in like a not you know an unspecified area. This guy's like Zelensky's like no, there, you, this might be the last time you see me alive. He's like I'm not I leaving. I will fight them and, on the Ukrainian beaches. And I he will left fight his, them on the land. His family's still there. He even take his, get his family out of harm's way. It's like the family's in Kiev. He's in there. He's wearing a fucking like um, <laughs> a soldier uniform, ready to a fight. Kevlar vest. Yeah, do you think he gave like his babies Glocks and was like, if you see <laughs> Rushki, you just shoot. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the other thing about it too. It's like any uh, any citizen who's willing to fight, he's encouraging. We'll just give you weapons. Like, so they're just giving, like, machine guns to, like, 80-year-old men. Like, this 80-year-old guy showed up with, like, he had, like, a suitcase with, like, a, uh, extra guy. underwear and, sandwiches. and some socks and some sandwiches. And they're like, here's a machine gun and some grenades. Go kill some Russians. How well, amazing I mean, you're gonna, is that? 80, how many good years have you got left? You might as well go out valiantly in battle. Well, that's the thing. The Ukrainians don't undermine their, their, their spirit. I mean, they, they, they're, you know, fierce. You know, they're a uh, ferocious army. I mean, they fought. Why don't you think, why do you think he only invaded uh, Crimea last time? Like he didn't even, he could have gone further, but the Ukrainians fought back. Yeah, they're hardcore. I definitely would say that I would not do that for my country. Yeah, if the Russians invaded too. here, I'd be like, I would welcome, I would for one, welcome my new Russian overlords. I like <laughs> mayonnaise. I like borscht. It's one of my favorite soups. I like vodka and like having, you know, having a giggle and you like, waiting in line to buy bread. Like, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, you like gulag. You like totalitarian rule. You like being told what to do. I think that makes sense. Yes, um, there is nothing I enjoy more than when a man <laughs> tells me what to do. Exactly. And that's what's going to happen when your Russian overlords take control. But hey. Do you like mayonnaise? Who needs, who needs to vote for our leaders? You know, let's just have just one dictator in charge until he dies. And if he wants to take another country... Who gives a fuck about boundaries or borders? Just take it. It's yours. I he, love the fact he's taken Chernobyl. I think that's absolutely brilliant. I want hilarious. him to turn it into a paintball park. I, I want him to start launching nukes. This is well from be, Chernobyl. It's decommissioned. D. There's still there, it's still a nuclear it's still a nuclear plant. It's decommissioned. What but, I want him to do is to like he'll decide he'll go and live in Chernobyl. And it's gonna he's gonna become full on James Bond villain, and he'll end up 
somehow having a sexual interaction with the elephant's foot. And then when he comes back up to surface, he's going to look like the chud, but with green eyes instead of yellow glowing eyes. This is what I want. I, I would. I think it'd be great if he turned into some kind of like Dr. Manhattan type supervillain. That would also like be amazing, but powers. I want him to look specifically like the chud. And he just, now he is, he's immortal. So he's going to be the Russian dictator forever until he controls yeah, the world. Yeah, Try and defeat the chuds because you can't. Where there's one, there's more, and they're all just coming out from the elephant's foot. Don't undermine uh, President Vladimir Zelensky, the Jewish president of the Ukraine, who's who's encouraging everybody. All all patriots in the country will have weapons. We'll give weapons to anyone who wants to defend our country. So we could go to the Ukraine right now, and we could go get weapons to go fight Russians. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Well, the other do that thing for too, my country. I'm not doing that for any fucking country. So Maybe now Australia. it's like citizens are just like showing up. Yeah, fuck that. I would, I'd be like, no, okay, I'm going to go move to Europe. I'm, I'm not fighting for this fucking country. Um, but so citizens now are going there and they're taking up weapons and they're fighting against the Russians. Um, and meanwhile, the Russians are just taking tanks, just driving through, you know, blowing up fucking apartment buildings. So this, <laughs> there's this video going out. You have to see this. This guy... He's fucking just driving his car around the streets while there's tanks and explosions happening. And a tank just fucking drove over his car, stopped on it. Like, I mean, it stopped on, while it was on top of the car and then reversed back over it again. This old guy, some like 90-year-old man, pulled out alive. They, they pulled him out of the wreckage. He was alive. I wonder how often that happens. I don't know much about like <laughs> tanks know. other than German tanks in World War II. Oh, it's amazing. And then did you see the other video from uh, Ukraine's Snake Island? That's where I think Vladimir Putin should end up living. That's where he should go next. <laughs> Snake he needs, Island. He needs control of Chernobyl and Snake Island. They belong in Russian hands. Well, so uh, a Russian warship was sent a message. There's a video of this too, but it's in Russian. But a Russian warship sent a message saying, um, surrender or you will be attacked. And so the, way, the uh, border guards on Ukraine's Snake Island responded, Russian warship, go fuck yourself. Do you think all the snakes? <laughs> no, the snakes responded and they were just like. It's, it's, they, they said in a, they're in a call to the island, we are a Russian warship. We ask you to lay down your arms and surrender to avoid bloodshed and unnecessary deaths. Otherwise, you will be bombed. And there was a discussion amongst the border guards for about 10 minutes and they just responded back, go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's so amazing. Do you think they then went out and gave all the snakes their own little glocks and said, arm up, boys? That, well, that's the thing. I don't Who knows? They, they probably have fucking bears that they've, like, geared up with munitions. I'm, I'm hoping the Ukrainians are just riding bears to go attack fucking with, like, machine guns attached to them. I'm to go pretty fight sure the Russia has that, too. Oh, that yeah, would be amazing do. to see in war. That's what I want from Battle this war. bears. As much as I love animals and like care more for animals than I do for human beings, I want to see bears with Uzis going into battle against each other. Battle bears. That's what I want battle to see. Ba Just oh, with battle like, bears needs to happen. With battle like fucking armor. Like, uh, what was it? The golden compass. Remember that polar bear in the golden compass that had like the metal armor? I have not seen the golden compass because I'm not 10. Oh, that's a good book. It's a, it's one of the only. <laughs> Why the, are you reading children's books? It, it's no, it's good. It's one of the only kids' books about atheism and the defense of atheism. It's actually, a, as far as kid books go, pretty impressive. Did um, you read this as an adult? I read it as a kid. Well, not as a kid because I think it didn't come out when I was a kid. But I think I read it when I was like what, 15, 16? 
Okay, that you'll get a free pass for that, but I'm gonna. No, I read it. I read it again. Actually, when the before the movie came, the movie's kind of shitty, but uh, when the movie came out, I read it again because it's it's a it's a good story. Don't get me wrong; it's about it. It's we read like Tolkien. You know, was deeply religious man. It's the Lord of the Rings is kind of parable for um, Christianity. But when you read uh, the so uh, I forget the guy that wrote um, what's his name that wrote Golden Compass. I forget the guy's name. The guy that wrote the Golden Compass was basically doing the same thing, but atheism. Good for him. Yeah, I, no. I, believe I think in his I think more kids should learn about atheism. Um, anyway, he had a battle bear in that uh, in that book, and I think the Russians and the Ukrainians should arm their bears. But you know who else is going to who will probably lead the bears? The Klitschko brothers, Vitaly and Vladimir Klitschko, Hall of Fame boxers. You know, uh, I think uh, 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 was it Vitaly or Vladimir? I think was uh, unbeaten. He's an unbeaten boxing heavyweight, world champion, for like a decade. Crazy. Um, but in the days since the assault began in the Ukraine, they're like, yeah, we're going to take up arms and uh, defend uh, against the Russian military. So Just, just I, them. Well, now I'm just saying, it's like, I would not undermine the Ukrainian soldiers. However, uh, Putin, he's, Putin is crafty. And Putin's, you know, Putin is a, a very evil He's an evil genius. He is a James Bond type villain. And yeah, I, and that's why I like him. That's what I'm saying. Don't discount the tricks that Putin has up his sleeves. And one of the sleeve, one of his tricks, I think the ace that he has up his sleeve, psionic super soldiers. He hasn't deployed Russia's psychic soldiers yet. 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 And a lot of people don't know about this, but there was in the, uh, I'd say like 80s and 90s, not only was there an arms race between the U.S. and the USSR, but there was a psychic soldier race at the time, a psyops race. So we, we covered this. We covered Project Stargate back, I don't know, probably 100 episodes ago, maybe 50 episodes ago or something. Um, we covered Project Stargate, which was the CIA program about remote viewing. Do you remember this? I do remember the episode. I think that's up on YouTube as well. Yeah, Project Stargate was yeah. up on YouTube. So the reason they did Project Stargate was in response to Russians' psych psychic power program that they were doing that all surrounded a psychic named Nina Kuligina, who was basically... <laughs> Nina Kuligina. Kuligina, yeah. Nina Kuligina was basically Russia's Jean Grey. They were, they nice. were Yeah, there she is. They were training her to be a psychic super soldier because she had the psychokinetic ability. She had the ability to move objects just using her mind. I bet she did. All right, Carrie. Yeah, so uh, she had a, a, a range of uh, psychic powers, uh, particularly psychokinesis, and she was tested and supposedly found to be genuine by respected scientists, Eastern and Western. No, even uh, uh, oh. U.S. scientists studied her as well. Uh, but she was caught on uh, several occasions by hidden cameras using her abilities. Uh, she remains a controversial figure, and her demonstrations have received criticism from skeptics who believe the films and experiments show clever trickery rather than true paranormal powers. So we're going to get into this because the story of Nina is fascinating, but also the story that how her psychic powers ignited a paranormal arms race between the U.S. and the USSR. And we do have videos. You can be the judge of yourself as you're watching this to see whether or not you know these are actually authentic gifts. But I do think... That I'm, I'm not surprised at all that Russia would have psychic super soldiers. Like, I'm, I'm sure, like, uh, like uh, uh, Vladimir Putin just has them just kind of waiting. 
Like in the wings. In, yeah, they're in like... I think uh, all governments should have a psychic. If you've got um, the Phoenix Force on your team, you're going to win. They're in like the basement of the Kremlin. He's just like, call out the, the psychic super soldiers. But right Is after the Red Sparrows. Impression? The Red Sparrows come first, then the psychic the super Sparrows. soldiers. Did you ever see that? <laughs> how, ever... how old are you, Dad? <laughs> well, did, you ever, did you ever see that with, uh, what was it? Uh, what's her name? She was the, uh, was, it, was it called Red Sparrow? It's with, um, ah, God, I'm blanking on her name right now. Uh, blonde hair, American actress, very famous. She was in Win- uh, Winter's Bone. You're talking about Black Canary. Black Canary. I thought they were Red Sparrow. Is it Black Canary? <laughs> no, it's not Black Canary. I'll have to look. It's something Sparrow. It's like these Russian super soldiers that uh, they had trained, but they're all female. Oh, I know who you're talking about yeah, now. What the fuck is her name? She was in Winter's Bone. Uh, I've Winter's Bone did Jennifer Lawrence. Right? Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence played this like Red Sparrow, like she was part of the program and she was trained, kind of like Black Widow in Marvel's Black Widow. So many people are screaming at us right now. Don't I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we're talking about Nina Kuligina here, Russia's Jean Grey. Love um, her name. Yeah. Well, you know they changed it. Uh, her full legal name at birth was Ninel. Sergeyevna Mikalova, but they thought Nina Kuligina sounded better. A more it sounds like a cocktail. Yeah, Nina Kuligina. It's like a white Russian. It's definitely got that blue, um, what you call it, you know, the blue stuff that they put in. You know, I wonder if they're going to change the name of white Russians. You know how they did that with French fries? They started calling them Freedom Fries. They will always be a white Russian to me, and I will never call them a creamy Jonathan or anything else. They're a white Russian. <laughs> creamy Jonathan. Uh, Nina Kuligina here uh, was born 1926, July 30th, 1926, in Leningrad, which is now St. Petersburg. And she lived her entire life there. Uh, her full legal name was uh, Ninel Sergeyevna Mikhailova. Uh, Ninel is Lenin spelled backwards, which was a very popular name for girls in Leningrad. I see what they're yeah. doing. Um, in the West, she became known as Nina Kuligina because I think people couldn't pronounce her name, Nelia Mikalova. Uh, she took part in the Red Army's defense of Leningrad during the Nazi siege, along with her family. And she was only, she was only uh, 14 at, the, at that time. She became a radio operator in a tank regiment. At age 17, she was wounded in the uh, abdomen. It's kind of funny. It's like you look at these, these uh, people showing up in the Ukraine uh, you know, ordinary citizens taking up weapons, weapon, you know, that are like 18 years old, 19 years old. Meanwhile, here we got like 16 year olds, just like all they do is just make videos on TikTok. Look at their Instagram stories. That's the only thing that really matters. I'm Twitch affiliated. I don't have to get a real job. Yeah, it's like filming fucking TikTok videos at Denny's. This girl is 14. You're, you're a bitter old man. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> don't you know? Don't undermine the uh, the Ukrainians and the Russians here. She was 14 and she was operating a tank, wounded at uh, 17. After the war, she married a man named Viktor Kuligin, who's a Russian naval engineer, and she had three children. It was around like the early 60s. Nina Kuligina had a nervous breakdown, probably as a result of chronic pain from the wound that she suffered, or maybe even PTSD, you know, from pregnancy and the war. Um, but anyway, she uh, ended up going into uh, a hospital, and it was there while she was uh, convalescing that she discovered that she had like abilities. So she had heard a radio report about a woman who could see colors with her fingers. 
So this woman yeah. could could like touch a color and t- say what the color was. Like she could touch like a piece of fabric and she could without looking at it, and she could like name the color of the fabric. And so Nina was like, I can do that. And so she was with her husband and she was picking out colored threads that she needed because she was doing a, a embroidery from a bag without even looking at them. So she was just I like, I can't remember what the name of it is, but my dad had it where you can see more versions of colors than other people can in the, in the color wheel. It is a, a real thing. I think that's called alcoholism. Kate. He my also had that. Alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I'm sure Drunk Dad probably would have been uh, a psychic super soldier if he was Russian. Pass the, he would have just done it to pass the vodka. Which, like, <laughs> it, it would be so hard. Like, telekinesis is definitely a handy thing. Oh, my God. If you had it. Could you imagine? You'd be so lazy. I would never get up from my couch. I'd just be like, Miller Lite? I'd just think about it. You know, the fridge would open. I would just get a Miller Lite. Be amazing. I would, I would be a carry for sure. I would definitely create carnage. How Jean Grey never murdered more people is beyond me. Yeah, and just wait for people to throw tampons at you in the shower. Oh, that's Go already happened em. plenty of times. <laughs> um, so to convince her disbelieving husband, her husband was skeptical, uh, he put a blindfold on her. And uh, he like pulled out um, different pieces of uh, colored fabric. And uh, she was identifying all the colors. She could even read text discern dates on coins and accurately reproduce simple drawings made by him in another room. Okay. Do you think he was just drawing dicks? Cause that's what I'd be drawing. I probably would too. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be that hard for me to, to replicate your drawings from across the room. Uh, these experiences came to light because they told uh, the couple told the doctor about it and demonstrated it for this doctor. And so, you know, their people then all of a sudden were like, wow, this girl, this, this person actually might have psychic abilities. And so this is kind of what initiated uh, some of the, uh, the studies. Now, Nina claimed that she was always aware that she was different, that she had some kind of ability, but she never really actually started utilizing or practicing it until uh, she was in the hospital. But there are stories that she could mentally see things inside people's pockets. And when she met sick people, she could identify the disease that they were suffering from. An image of the illness would appear in her mind. This is what she claimed. She should become a doctor then. Save some lives. On one occasion, Nina was in a particularly angry mood. She was walking towards a cupboard in her apartment when a jug in the cupboard suddenly moved to the edge of the shelf, fell, and smashed to pieces. After that, changes began to take place in her apartment. Lights would go on and off. Objects would become animated and seem somehow to be attracted to her. Like to follow her. Haunted. Yeah. Um, she, people thought it was like some kind of poltergeist type activity, but Kubagina was convinced that's, that it was her psychic power that was, uh, developing. So this was after she got out of the, uh, the hospital, she started developing the psychic power and she felt like if maybe she tried, she could start controlling it. So there are two decades of research that, um, that Russian scientists, uh, kind of with Western, with five Western scientists actually, uh, during the uh, the late 60s, early 70s, um, there's actually a documentary film that came out about it, and I think we actually have some of the some of the footage is up on YouTube. If you do a search for Nina Kuligina, you'll find it. Uh, but there were more than 100, possibly 200 sessions that were undertaken in laboratories. So Nina, most of these videos would show her, and I think we just showed one of the pictures. But she would usually sit at a small table and was observed to move small objects like placed in front of her without touching them. Like she'd have her 
hands kind of around the object, but she could move it like through a process of like mental concentration. So or she is was, she just, or is she blowing them? Is she just blowing it? She's <sighs> well, I mean, they would check her. They would, you know, they would actually like, you know, look at, make sure she didn't have like hidden magnets and uh, strings and things like that. But I mean, I don't know. That's the thing. It's, it's pretty easy to be skeptical of it. And there were a lot of famous skeptics because this has been a, you know, this is, she was studied by many scientists over the years. But the objects she would move would be like matchsticks, empty boxes of matches, cigarettes, uh, wristwatch. There's a famous picture of her trying to move the wristwatch. Um, the usual starting distance when you're in the objects is about a half a meter. But sometimes she can move oh. things about from two meters away. Uh, sometimes that was, she succeeded. That's further with, away than what I thought. I thought she was like leaning over them. No, she could she could move things from across the room. Uh, she succeeded with objects placed on a chair or on the floor. Like she could lift it off, like move the object off the chair. Um, initially, the objects moved towards her, but in later phases, she would have them move away. And at first, Kuligina moved her body or pointed her head uh, because she felt that the hand movements aided the process. But later, she could just do it without even moving, just with her mind. Sometimes, well, sometimes it was like really smooth. The movement was smooth. Other times it was kind of jerky, like shaky, the way the object moved. This is a terrifying, like, thing for a babushka to have. <laughs> just this, like, they were already all powerful. Babushka. And now they can, like, move things with their mind. It's I would terrifying. just like to see her be making borscht with her mind. <laughs> just like cutting up beets and just making soup. Uh, for an extended movement, she would do several spells of, like, short motion. And the movements were kind of slow and didn't achieve actual momentum. But she would, with the continued application of uh, the kinetic force, she would usually get it to, to, to move the more she concentrated. She can get it to move like around the room. Uh, she found it easiest to move a long object, which would be standing on its end. So this, this video here that we're about to play, um, it shows like a cigarette standing straight and she could like move it with her mind. And objects would range in size from like a single match to a 10-centimeter uh, plexiglass cube. And she could even move objects inside of the cube. So um, here, we'll play this video real quick. Yeah, you can see. So she has like a, what is that? Like a cigarette that she's kind of moving around? There's like a cigarette, um, a match, a book of matches, a spool. But see what I'm saying? Like she could have a magnet you know, yeah, this is what I envision more because she's over the objects. But if they're, if she's moving objects from, what, half a meter, two meters away, how's she doing that? But there's no video of that. Uh, they, the doctors said that they observed that. But here, what we're seeing here, she, just, she has these objects on a table. And so, here's, so they put a plastic cube, like a plexiglass cube over it. And now she's moving the objects inside the cube. So how is that happening? Well, you can still do that with magnets. Like, like if she had a magnet like on her like thighs yeah, or something. Yeah, still going to be attracted to the magnets. Or maybe she's some, something magnetic in her hand. Yeah, I think it's in her hand. But she is moving it. I mean, she's moving it like across the table. This would be such a funny drunk uh, trick. <laughs> uh, the Russian scientist, uh, Sergeyev, I guess, uh, reported that she moved objects as heavy as 500 grams. And she was able to move a single object among many along a predetermined course or several at once in one direction or two in completely opposite directions. And so I'm calling fabrics, David. 
Maybe. Uh, she was observed to spin a compass needle 360 degrees in either direction, stop a pendulum, or change the direction of its swing. Uh, she could move a hydrometer floating in water within a wire cage. And uh, she prevented a scale from unbalancing when extra weight was placed on one of its parts, all with her mind, just by concentrating. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, this is one of her most famous experiments, and this is what specifically ignited the arms race here, was she was reported to have stopped the beating of a disembodied frog's heart and to have revived fish that were near dead, including one that was floating upside down. Um, Kuligina could induce a sensation of heat on a person's skin with light contact of her hand. And uh, the intensity would, would depend on, on the actual person. Um, some people said that it caused unbearable pain. She could cause unbearable pain to certain people just by touching them. One guy uh, retained burn marks, like on his arm without blister. It didn't even blister. It just, he just felt burn marks when, he, when she touched her. A thermometer placed between her hand and the, and the observer showed no change in actual temperature. She's an evil villain. <laughs> um, is evil. The uh, scientist, Sergeyev, uh, stated that Kuligina was able to psychokinetically draw simple patterns on photosensitive paper. But uh, Western scientists never saw any actual tangible evidence of this. And that's part of the uh-huh. thing. Western scientists claim, and most of the skeptics were like, sure, we, we've seen these films, but who's to say that there, were, there weren't magnets? Who's to say there weren't like, you know, hidden strings or something or thread that she was using to move these objects. You can't really, I mean, it'd be easy to edit that out of the video. Um, This was kind of interesting. So an additional lesser known ability of Kuligina uh, was noted by a physicist who studied her named Dr. V.F. Schwetz. Love that name. Schwetz. Dr. Schwetz. Um, He claimed they observed Kuligina making the letters A or O appear on photo paper. And that sometimes she could also transfer an outline of a picture that she had seen onto the photo paper. This is called photography, <laughs> which um, there's, a, you know, there's a, a guy named Ted Sirios in uh, America that controversially claimed to have done this himself. Um, so, yeah, Kuligina, I guess there, there are also reports that scientists saw her clothes catch on fire, that she could, like, start like she could like not spontaneously combust but she could start things like with her mind she could start a fire that's the phoenix force that's what i'm saying she's she like really is fucking gene gray man now kuligina was able to successfully produce psychokinetic eff- effects in 80 percent of her attempts on average that's what the doctors who have studied her estimated uh, though the presence of hostile observers would inhibit her Oh, of course it would. But if she if persisted, you don't in me, she would succeed. I can't do it. Um, notably, she was unable to move an object in a vacuum. Now, this might have been, you know, the result of, of of the object being concealed, like in a hermetically sealed container. But that that seemed to have an inhibiting effect on her powers as well, as well as uh, uh, hot weather and storms and humidity could inhibit her uh, psychokinetic abilities. Now, this power definitely had uh, harmful effects on her physically. So when she would do, she would concentrate and she would move things, uh, they found that her heart rate would increase, sometimes as high as 240 beats per minute. Um, Whoa, is that not heart attack territory? Yeah, that's that's the thing. It took a lot out of her. 
it definitely um, you know it was very enervating to her to her physically as she would use these uh, do, do these sessions. Uh, she tended to even lose weight during the sessions, sometimes as much as two kilograms. Um, I don't know how much that is. What, two kilograms, two bags of sugar? Nah. Yeah, they said that's what would typically be lost in a similar period by means of like strenuous physical exercise. Like it was that taxing on her. Um, adverse effects reported by, uh, by her included extreme exhaustion, dizziness, pain in the neck, uh, pain in her spine, a general just kind of aching in her body, as well as like a metallic taste in her mouth. She's having uh, a heart attack. <laughs> well, that's just a, going, we must study her more. <laughs> they're just making her just like, well, continue. You must go. Yeah. But they would let her have a couple breaks. Sometimes oh, they, okay. Well, sometimes she would have to take a few days off because it was that taxing to her. Um, EEG monitoring showed marked changes during her psychokinetic effects. So, I mean, they could see it. And usually including a concentration of energy in the direction that she was gazing. So now the... The, they filmed a lot of these sessions, and this is why they say that you know these these powers were authentic. These were real abilities, and many of these clips can be found on YouTube. Uh, so this next one here shows her with addition of hand movements that she could test uh, with a with a compass. I think this is the one. This is one of the documentaries they did on her. So, yeah, there's the. This is in Russian, so that's why I'm not playing the audio. Um, but you can see her here. She's uh, just sitting at a table. But this is in color, though. So it's like... Well, they, did, they did have color. You know, I, don't, I hate to break this no. to you, Dee, but back in the 60s and the 70s, the world was in color by that point. Exactly. But the the, what I'm saying, I think it's more white. credible to see her doing these, performing these abilities, even though it's kind of hard to tell here with the shadow. But it's, it's almost more credible to see it in like a, a higher resolution color video than just like some grainy black and white film. Like if I saw... When we were the, the previous uh, clip that we were watching, where she was like moving things around, you know, just in, a, in that black and white video on the table, I think that kind of looked fake. Looked, yeah. It was but fun. this, I mean, I think this is it's a much more higher resolution video, and she's moving the uh, you know the, the the needle on the compass in different directions, which you can really easily do with a magnet. Everything she's doing could be easily done with a magnet. <laughs> but that's the thing. They checked her, though. I mean, they would search her whole body and look for hidden magnets. Did they check her pussy? Because that's where I would hide my magnet. That'd have to be a very strong magnet. It would be like, well, you can get those super strong magnets for shoplifting, can't you? But see, he's, he's moving it around here. Um, so we can't really see it here, but she would. Uh, some of these experiments would use genuine heat. They would use to mark plastic or cut cords. Um, so when when these other videos, I think it's the second video that we have here. Um, this one, I think, shows her. I think she was moving something. I don't know exactly what it was. Like she was. I forget what I put in this video here. <laughs> but uh, I was the other night. I was just sitting here watching all these videos, just being like, Jesus, this, girl, this woman can do some stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is untoldmysteries.com. It's a parlor so, trick. They've been doing stuff like this for moving. years upon years. That's what the skeptics say. I am a skeptic of everything. So this is these are other psychics as well. Nina's a Nina's a part of this one. This is what's happening in the Ukraine right now? Some explosions there. Um, 
so these stories, especially after the uh, the video with the uh, the frog's heart, um, these stories started started circulating around the West, and so it was around sp- spring of 1968 that. Uh, the uh, the the Americans, the CIA in particular, saw these videos of her moving objects ostensibly with her mind. Um, they were first shown a, at a Moscow International Conference on Parapsychology, where, which was attended by some Western scientists. And for a brief time, these Western investigators were actually permitted to meet Russian mediums. So there were several of these Russian mediums because there was a program that was training them to be psychic soldiers. Um, so they got to like attend different sessions and witness Nina uh, for themselves and verify these reports of her psychokinetic abilities because these you know they're reading all of these um, you know these uh, uh, treat like uh, theses and and different uh, papers and journals about um, all the, by these Soviet scientists but they never actually got to verify and they saw these videos but as you can see the videos you know those could be magnets it could be faked who's going to trust a Ruski anyway. So in 1970, American scientist William A. McGarry, um, he, went, he attended a session in which Kubagina was uh, moving several objects, including a wedding ring and the top of a condiment bottle across a dining room table. Another one of the American investigators, Gaither Pratt, at the University of Virginia, stated that the objects which um, Kubagina could move varied widely in material shape and weight. And when they moved, they generally progressed in a slow, steady fashion, but they were moving. So only occasionally do the objects um, in which he controlled move in fits and starts. So it's reported that a number of precautions were taken, though, to make sure she wasn't concealing a magnet or threads. And the films were taken. Well, I think they they searched her. And the films were taken of the experiments, which, I mean, you you just saw it. It seemed to confirm that no known force could explain these movements. Unfortunately, it's not known how thoroughly Kuligina was checked before the experiment. So I don't think... They were um, spelunking. They were checking her pussy. I don't think they were spelunking. spelunking. in that Russian pussy. <laughs> Please, we want to check your sour cream maker. I don't think they were going in the Russian damp cave. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Zednik Rezdak, a prominent Czech scientist connected with the Prague Military Institute, tested Kuligina personally and reported the results for in a, a scientific publication called the Czech Pravda. He said, I visited the Kuligina family, February 26, 1968. Um, and her, I guess her husband was there. Dr. Sergeyev was there, as well as another uh, a doctor named Dr. J.S. Zeverev. Um, and they gave Kuligina a very thorough physical examination. So they might have actually looked at her pussy this time. Tests with special instruments failed to show any indication, whatever, of magnets or any other concealed objects. They even checked the table thoroughly and asked Ms. Ms. Kul- Mrs. Kuligina frequently to change her position at the table. They passed a compass around her body and the chair and table with negative results. They asked her to wash her hands. After concentrating, she turned the compass needle more than 10 times, then the entire compass and its case, a matchbox and some 20 matches at once. He placed a cigarette in front of her. She moved that too just by glancing at it. He shredded it afterwards, and there was nothing inside the cigarette. So in between each of these tests, she was then physically examined again by a doctor. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's, the pussy was checked. That's what I'm saying. That's a, I think there's definitely credence to it. So one of, uh, this, is, this is interesting too. This is one of her famous, most famous experiments involved her yeah. use of um, 
her psychic powers on a raw egg floating in a tank of saline solution, which was two meters away from her. So that's, what is that, like six feet? There's probably more, actually, eight feet. About two meters. Um, Seeming to use nothing but intense concentration, she separated the yolk from the white of the egg and moved the two apart. And if she focused her energies for long enough, she could put the egg back together again. She needs to take the show to Vegas. <laughs> but she the mo- could make a success. This would be the highlight of the show. You'd be like, oh, she's going to do the egg trick. And she'd throw the egg out of her pussy first. Well, the most, uh, yeah, that, that would be amazing. If she could get the egg just to come out of her pussy and then separate in midair. And, and then, then go back, back into her pussy and, and come back, back out as pussy. the egg, the egg trick. I it's would pay m- top dollar to see that in Benidorm. It's got to make like a suction sound too. Like, <laughs> you know, like when it comes out. Um, yeah. So one of the, uh, her most, as I mentioned before, her most famous experiment, the one that caught the attention of the CIA was the, uh, the when she used her energy to stop the beating of a frog's heart floating in a solution and then reactivate it. So she focused intently on the heart and summoned all her powers. First, she made it beat faster, and they had like an EKG on it, and then slower, and using intense willpower, she stopped it completely. Apparently, she could also disrupt a human heartbeat. And so on one occasion, a uh, hostile Leningrad psychiatrist who did not believe her, he was a complete skeptic, um, they hooked him up to uh, EKG, and she stopped she stopped his, well, she didn't stop his heart, but she sped it up and then slowed it down at a dangerous rate that they actually had to stop the experiment. Please stop, Babushka. You are hurting Vlad. He doesn't <laughs> like it. So when U.S., you know, when the U.S. government caught wind of these experiments and the Russians, and definitely the Russians were like, oh, you can stop human hearts? Yeah, we're going to use you. You're going to yeah. become... Russia's Jean Grey. We're going to have like a whole group of uh, Russian psychic super soldiers here. And you um, shall be that queen. And so in the U.S. was just like, well, what's going on? The Ruskies got, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Ruskies got psychic super soldiers. We need something. So the arms race was un- unfolding, you know, for decades at this point. And so as the atmosphere of deep suspicion intensified, both the U.S. and USSR started focusing all their resources on ever stranger and more sophisticated modes of spycraft. And that's when they started looking into psychic power, which is kind of weird for the Soviets to look into this, considering they saw mysticism kind of the same way they saw religion, you know, as an opiate of the masses, you know, the most, most communists aren't too keen on religion. Same, same thing with paranormal and mysticism. They're just like, ah, it's, you know, a bunch of, uh, of uh, bullshit. I don't know what, what's the Russian term for bullshit. 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 It is bullshit. Um, historian Annie Jacobson wrote a book called Phenomena: The Secret History of the U.S. Government's Investigations into Extrasensory Perception and Psychokinesis. I kind of want to pick that book up. Um, the Do Soviets. You with that catchy title. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rolls off the tongue. Uh, the Soviets had outlawed anything in the realm of the paranormal until they realized that it could be used you know, as a, as a weapon in war, also to spy on their enemies. So they did an ideological, you know, 360 here. Uh, so Soviet nomenclature around ESP, extrasensory perception, was rewritten to sound technical. So she writes that uh, they severed all ties to any kind of the occult or mysticism. And so what they did, mental telepathy, became long-distance biological systems transmissions. <laughs> and psychokinesis became non-ionizing, in particular, electromagnetic emissions from humans. So Russian. (laughs) Very Soviet. 
So they, you know, through the 60s, um, I guess this was like right pretty much when the Cold War was starting. Cold War is kicking off. We started amassing nuclear weapons. Like the 50s day the and war 60s. Ended. That's when and, the Cold War But that's started. when we kind of started the arms race with the Russians. Like, oh, we got to get our nukes. Because they knew we had nukes. And they're like, we got to make our own atomic bombs. So we started, you know, obviously like, you know. Um, started with the smear campaign that stop, America led. Stop piling our weapons. <laughs> yeah, keep <laughs> believing that. Uh, the Soviets directed a great deal of energy towards energy itself. So they pursued all these research to kind of look at energetic flows surrounding human beings. And their intention was to harness that energy to affect physical systems, such as Nina Kuligina stopping that physician's heart rate. Um, the dis- and so one of their doctors here at the University of Leningrad, he said that the discovery of the energy underlying ESP will be equivalent to the discovery of atomic energy. That's what I'm saying. I bet you they're still doing these experiments. Oh, yeah, of course, definitely. They got like some kind of prof- Russian Professor X that is like training all these children to become psychic Oh, don't super you soldiers. think that we're not doing it as well? We're definitely doing it in Britain and we'll be doing it in America too. I can't imagine Joe Biden even... Joe Biden doesn't believe in this. Well, Joe Biden, the, nobody's telling him that because the news would kill him. He's an old man. He doesn't need to know. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine Joe Biden's like, I don't believe this bullshit. Put on some fucking Matlock. <laughs> some Give me Matlock. my coffee. I want to watch some Monk. Put He's on some good Monk. Egg. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in 1962, during a security sweep at the U.S. Embassy in Moscow, American milita- military engineers had discovered strange electromagnetic signals emanating from a 10-story apartment in a building across the street. They determined that the signal was aimed at the upper floors of the U.S. Embassy in Moscow. So what's interesting to that, though, is do you recall the psychogenic illness at the embassy in Cuba? I do, yeah. Havana syndrome. So there was like mm-hmm. a set of medical symptoms with unknown causes that was experienced by U.S. government officials in this embassy in Cuba. It affected uh, U.S. and Canadian staff. This was in 2016. Um, so the Pentagon, after seeing this, is like, okay, the Ruskies got psychic super soldiers. We got to do something here. So they began studying Nina Kuligina. They looked at the, uh, the tapes. Um, and uh, they're like, we need, they're calling this study the Soviet psychoenergetic threat. <laughs> and so that's when they started in like the late seventies, the Stargate program to start cultivating remote viewers to uh, spy on military bases. But you know what they called remote viewing? They called it anomalous cognition. It's got to be like a technical term for it. Yeah. Um, Men who stare at goats is the movie about that. The psychic program though, always had their detractors, which, you know, Throughout, even to this day, people still don't believe it. However, officials involved in, uh, in the psychic program in Russia said that groups of military psychics were employed by Russia as recently as the Chechen Wars. That's the late 90s. Yeah. So that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. They have psychic soldiers just kind of hanging out in the Kremlin. So if the Ukrainians you know, start you know, battling the Russians and start threatening them, they're going to pull out the psychic super soldiers. They're just I really going to come out to and look stop like their the aliens on Mars attacks and they just come out with these huge overexposed brains that just throb. <laughs> that just throb while they do stuff. That just, would be amazing. Just, yeah, and it'll be like <laughs> scanners and your head just explodes and you're dead. I hope they have like cool helmets though. 
I hope they have a totally cool uniform. Of course they will. I mean, the Soviets had style, didn't they? Soviets did have style. They'll probably have those like furry hats because it's cold over there. I do love yes, the seal soccer hat. <laughs> now, you know, obviously we saw Nia's abilities. Um, scientists studied her. Um, she had, you know, for two decades they studied her. And she demonstrated hundreds of sessions on, on film. However, much like Kate Rambo over here, there are a lot of skeptics. And there are accusations of fraud that were made against Kuligina from the beginning of these investigations. And people still study her to this day and still don't believe what she did is authentic and is real. Uh, some skeptics claim that she was only tested in her own apartment and in hotel rooms. But according to, to Pravda, the guy that uh, the Czech scientist, uh, she was tested by eminent Soviet scientists in controlled laboratory conditions as well. I want to see those videos or pictures. Uh, these scientists are quoted as more than once stating that after watching Nina in action that they found no hidden threads, magnets, or other gimmicks. This, of course, does not prove that she didn't cheat, though. Because yeah. who has any information on how thorough these checks were? There she is, however... Well, exactly. And there is, however, no direct evidence that she faked her abilities. You know, despite the, and the, despite the lack of evidence for trickery, skeptics still believe her abilities were fraudulent or greatly exaggerated by the Soviet authorities to be used as propaganda in the Cold War era. Because, I mean, obviously the U.S. did propaganda, Russians propaganda. So why not say like, oh, yeah, we have a league of terrifying psychic super soldiers that we can unleash on you Americans. Yeah, you, you know, think you're like, scared of nukes? until you meet our Jean Grey. <laughs> um, some, some people, some skeptics say that uh, these Russian psych psychic experiments never actually even existed at all. They were just written about in, uh, in the press. Completely I fake. I think it would be hilarious if it was all just faked and they were just doing it as a giggle to upset America and then America is like, well, we're going to start up this whole section of our CIA and spend millions of taxpaying dollars. <laughs> and they're all just <laughs> laughing about it in the Kremlin. Well, if you remember, though, Stargate actually did have some success rate. I mean, people were, it was inexplicable, but people were able to pinpoint Soviet bases from across the world. So, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of hard. That's the thing. It's like I'm, the skeptic in me wants to discount all of this. But then at the same time, I kind of like, well, maybe, maybe it's true. You know, maybe she is Russia's Jean Grey. Um, however, there's a Moscow newspaper called The Pravda. Um, that viciously attacked her, demonized her, called her a fake and a cheat. It was said that they, they claimed that she performed her tricks with the help of concealed magnets and threads, um, though how magnets could move non-magnetic things like glass or eggs or apples and bread, it's not really explained. Uh, Kuligina's supporters claimed that she could move you know, a number of objects, any object that was chosen by an investigator. It wasn't just specific things that she brought herself. Like, if she was pulling these things out of her pocket and moving them, oh, yeah. or, you know, but these are objects that were being supplied. Like, the guy takes a cigarette, and she moved the cigarette around, and they opened it up, and there was nothing in it. So, I mean, th that definitely lends credibility. Um, but, so, in the end, it was revealed that the author of the prompted piece had never even seen her perform any of this work. But he had decided that psychokinetic... Um, psychokinetic psychokinesis and these psychokinetic abilities was impossible so she must be cheating and so it was, it was during that time uh, Nina started getting harassing phone calls at her home personally and it was thought like that these were just harmless current calls but there were no telephone books in Russia at the time so to somebody to get her actual phone number 
and line up at like a phone booth to call her. I mean, they, they were definitely putting some effort into this. That was, yeah, going ultimate prank phone calling. That should be in the new Jackass film. <laughs> so someone, whoever was calling her, must have known her real name and address. So I don't know, maybe it's probably one of the scientists. It's a family member. No, you know it's it. a family member who just thinks she's an absolute dafty. Well, she was probably, don't you think, like at this point now, it's, you know, she's probably getting arrogant about it. She's probably like at home, was. like just like, you know, moving things off the table. I go you to know, lab again tomorrow. I am so special. Getting like, like, yeah, all right, Nina. Just like getting shots of vodka from across the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> making the white Russians with her mind. I bet you it's like people are probably getting jealous. Um, so according to Kuligina's husband, the first Soviet scientist to invite her into the laboratory, L.L. Vasiliev of Leningrad University, was very open to the possibility that her, her abilities were real. And he even wrote a book on psychokinesis. However, his junior associates all believed she was fooling the gullible old professor by using invisible threads. And the Aww. university authorities ordered him to stop all the experiments. And Russian, other Russian scientists, too, uh, also were very skeptical. One scientist in particular, Edward Namov, was arrested by the KGB in prison for a year in a work camp uh, because of his frequent meetings with Western parapsychologists um, related to the work with Kuligina. So the KGB was just like, what are you doing here with these Western, you know, scientists? So they, they kind of shut it down. You know, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't have independent thought in Russia, you know, especially Not in the Soviet Union at that time. Yeah. Well, wait till, wait till Putin conquers Europe. So when you, when you have your Russian overlords, you don't need to think anymore. You don't need to think for yourself. Life will be so much well, easier. I really, as long as I can still put sour cream on my Bosch, life's good. God, I hope they shut this podcast down. Do you think they will? Like, no podcasting. Well, they'll let me live. Uh, you, probably not. Well, I'm American. I'm Maybe. American. Well, yeah, but I'll be think, fine. Do they allow, I don't think they allow podcasting in Russia, do they? Actually, yes. you know, we have a Russian fan. We what what Russian do you fan. think Russia is like, D? Yes, they have podcasts in Russia. Do yeah, you, but do they just think the Cold War is still happening there. They don't have freedom of speech. One of the richest there. countries in the world. They don't have freedom of speech. I think they would shut you down if you're criticizing Putin in a podcast. If they heard what we were saying about Putin, except for you, you're praising him. But they're hearing what, <laughs> what I'm saying about Putin. That yeah, uh, but I, I think don't they think would people shut are us out down. in Russia making those types of podcasts. But yes, they have podcasts. Well, because in they can't. You can't even protest in Russia. I'm loving the people that are just like protesting the war because a lot of Russians are very against this war. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, but, a, a huge... As it should be. It's yeah, like, no, a huge percentage are against the war, so they're protesting. You know, hundreds and thousands of people are protesting the street. They're all getting arrested and shipped off to Siberia and the Gulag. Well, it's not going to be much different in uh, Britain soon when they pass the laws that make it illegal for us to protest. So... I don't know. Where are they going to Gulag Sticks of stones, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the English government's going to be exactly the same as uh, under Vladimir Putin. They're not, but there are laws being passed that mean that means we can't protest soon, and they're happening. You guys already have uh, the cameras everywhere. I would like to. I, I didn't know about that. I'd like to see that. So you're not even allowed to protest anything. You're not even allowed. To, what What will happen if you protest something? We'd be locked be in the arrested. London dungeon. You'd be locked up. Yeah, mate. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see them enforce this. Um. So in 1968. The, uh, when the article came out about uh, Kuligina, um, 
they said that uh, they that they that she had used the magnets and that she had used threads and all that. Um, she served a jail sentence for fraudulent intrigues at the time. Oh, that's so, a bit harsh. I mean, she's yeah. just an old babushka. Like, come on. They implied that she had a tendency towards criminal activity, and that's why she could use these psychokinesis, the psychokinesis trickery. So that's a bit harsh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe similar claims have been made by Western critics who assert that she manipulated objects by means of magnets concealed in her clothing or vagina. She might have had pussy badge magnets. magnets. Or definitely magnets. using disguised threads, which you could easily use in these these grainy videos. You know? And you can get see-through thread, even like fishing wire. You can get the finest of fishing wires and, and use one of them. They claim that Russian Soviet scientists claim that they caught her cheating. Some of the Russian scientists, but you can't really believe that either because they're so skeptical. They're skeptical against the entire program. Yeah, and the, even the concept of psychokinesis. So, you know, uh, Martin Gardner, who has criticized parapsychology and paranormal claims throughout his career, he describes Kuligina as a pretty plump, dark-eyed little, dark-eyed little charlatan. <laughs> Who took the stage name of Ninel because it's Lenin spelled backwards and it's just show business. He further states I get that. Yeah, he further states that the Soviet establishment psychologist caught her cheating using techniques familiar to all magicians. So Yeah. I mean that that you know that that, that makes sense. Um there's a demonstration Kuligina is said to have, uh, being blindfolded, she read from a magazine and performed other sensational feats. Gardner says these successes, he attributes these successes to the inability of a simple blindfold to prevent seeing and argues that no test that does not encase the entire head is adequate. So she might have just been able to see through a portion of the, the blindfold. He further quotes from another research institute in Leningrad that she was given tasks under two conditions. One in which lax controls would allow her to peak, and the other in which peaking would be impossible. Phenomenal ability was shown in the first condition, but not at all in the second. So, I don't know. He claims it was an ordinary hoax. So, I don't know. I, you, you wonder about this. And there are counterclaims, too. I mean, I she ended up uh, winning a defamation suit against uh, the Pravda. So, I don't know. There, there were a lot of, there were a lot of uh, colleagues who... Um, claim, who who defended her, but also at the same time criticized her and, and dismissed her as a charlatan. So I don't know. I mean, it's I think the jury's out on this. Not for me, it isn't. You think I like she's a her. charlatan? I like that she's doing all this showbiz and like maybe she's done it at the behest of someone, but it's all fucking fakery, isn't it, mate? One of uh, one of the doctors who uh, who um, studied her. What's his name here? Um, uh, Jurgen Kiel. He's written like several books about her too. He notes that she moved objects made of non-magnetic materials. He concedes that the question of trickery cannot be resolved in absolute terms, but nevertheless, nevertheless says that evidence against it is very substantial because the Russians carried out a large number of observations and experiments. So was she faking every time? Like every time they did these experiments in different, like some of these in, uh, in laboratories, checking her with the, with the equipment for magnetic, you know, for magnets and different like magnetic items. Yeah, I think she faked it each time. Look at it this way. So she had a nervous breakdown, which nobody's ever said it was a combination of probably just a really shit fucking life, having a really shit time. She's now in the hospital where she's getting attention. 
And maybe she'd have known some of these magic tricks from when she was a child and she could just pull them out the bag again. And guess what? Now she's like a babushka who's wanted and needed. And she's getting a lot of attention spent but on I don't her. Know if she's like, I don't know if she's like making a career out of this. I mean, she still was a housewife. I don't it's think kind she... of like Munchausen, isn't it? She works, She's pretending that there's something with her so she gets attention. This, I don't uh, think she's doing it maliciously. This scientist, but... Jurgen Kiel, said that not all the Russians' observations were carried out by scientists under laboratory conditions, but many of them were. And there are written reports available that suggest the investigations were carefully controlled to ensure that fraud, that there is no fraud. So they had, you know, specific conditions that she had to adhere to. So I don't know. That were never filmed and we've never seen. And like it was only written well, down. Many of the aspects of the film recordings, though, reveal... Features that make it, it's difficult to, how, I don't know. I mean, yet yeah, sure, she could have had invisible thread or something or like a fishing line or something that you can't see. But I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, she was moving objects in a plexiglass cube. So what I don't you know. can do with a magnet. James Randi, uh, the favorite. Hey. Uh, yeah, James Randi. See, what a name. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he's the, the famous magician who debunked a lot of people's uh, magic tricks he said i've seen films of this woman she does strange things where objects move across the table and where a compass needle runs around in circles in different directions we used to do that when we were kids we used to do it by concealing a small piece of magnet in our hands being a lady she's built physically in a different way and when you see these films i think you can probably guess where she has the piece of magnet concealed <gasps> pussy magnet <laughs> of course the russians didn't bother to search her in that particular part of her anatomy because they're gentlemen, and we wouldn't do that to a lady, especially if she has divine powers. I'm stealing all these ideas, and I'm taking this show on the road. I'm going to crack that egg in Las Vegas two years today on stage. <laughs> Using your you pussy this. magnets. Um, when she makes objects move across the table, he goes, a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in New York with a group of magicians, and we were very amused. We were falling off our chairs laughing because it's all the same kind of stuff we've been doing on restaurant tables for years now with a little piece of thread running over to the object, an invisible piece of thread. And don't you think there isn't such a thing? Because when she moves back from the table, the objects move with her. And even though there might be a lucite cover on top of it, that certainly doesn't inhibit the operation at all. I like this guy. I like this magician. <laughs> we were all laughing, taking the piss out of <laughs> And Martin Gardner, I mentioned before, uh, he said, Randy and I will happily tell anyone how Nina Kuligini uses invisible threads to move matches and float tennis balls. You know, he's, he said, it's familiar to magicians, made dupes of all of these investigators over the years. Good but for she, But as I said before, though, I mean, she did win a defamation suit against that, uh, the magazine Pravda. Uh, the publication accused her of cheating and, uh, and, and, had, and, and demonized her in the press. But, uh, you know, she brought a documentary a filmmaker, several scientists and a journalist who all pointed out that she had shown no desire for publicity or profit. And the jury ended up ruling in her favor, finding the magazine could actually produce no tangible evidence of fraud. So Kuligini ended up, uh, they retracted the story and she won a lawsuit against them. So, I mean, there's some more credibility there. That's nice. She got her sorry. So according to popular accounts, her, uses of, uh, her use of psychic abilities led quite a strain on her health. Uh, Comey in, in her late 70s, she had a near-fatal heart attack. So the doctors recommended that she reduce her activity. So, even if, so if you think about it, maybe if she never actually did this, she might have lived longer. But I mean, she, she, 
went to like, uh, oh, so it was in the 1970s when she had her heart attack. So this is when she was doing like hundreds of these experiments. So her doctors yes. recommended that she reduce the activity, uh, but she still, you know, would do lab work up until uh, you know, 1990. That's when she died, when the Soviet Union split up. Split up. Uh, so she ended up dying of a heart attack April 11th, 1990, age 63. That's still, probably a long life in Soviet Russia. 63. 63 years old, yeah, especially mm-hmm. at that time. Um, they, they, people say that maybe these Russian experiments might have hastened her death. And at her funeral, Soviets praised her as a hero of Leningrad after her bravery during the 900-day siege of World War II, where she was a tank operator. Uh, but many also lauded her sacrifices of a, for a different kind of her country. Um, you know, she uh, you know, tested her psychic abilities for like 20 years. So, you know, electromagnetic energy within humans. So, I mean, she was, uh, she was Russia's Jean Grey. I don't think it was the, the test that killed her, but it might have been the high fat content in all the mayonnaise that they eat in Russia and all the meat and all the lard. Maybe that had something to do with her having heart disease and dying young. I, I wonder if know. I'm surprised the pussy magnus didn't give her like some kind of cancer or radiation or something. You think you can get cancer or radiation from sticking a magnet in your nunny? This is like you thinking that Russia doesn't have podcasts. Russia, Russia doesn't have free speech on their podcast. Of course they have podcasts. I'm sure there's like communist propaganda podcasts. You just download anything you want. But I bet you if you criticize Putin, you're going to the gulag. You go into the same gulag that that awful band Pussy Riot are in. And I tell you, I would rather just be sent to the death chamber. Anyway, people, uh, go, go check out the uh, YouTube videos on Nina Kuligina. I think um, and, and you, can, you can decide for yourself whether or not she was a Russian psychic super soldier. This is episode 832 here. Sick and wrong. People can call us at uh, 323-522-4032. But first, uh, we, got, we, got, we got some phone calls. But first, I want to play a, a, a quick message here about our Patreon page. Greetings, loyal subjects in the UK and in the colonies. I love the Sick and Wrong Patreon. It gives me news stories, extra phone calls, and lots of tips on how to deal with my son Andrew, the sweaty nonce. Anybody found in the UK or the colonies not subscribed to the Patreon will face beheading. Thank you. So we got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is that number. People give us a call. We're building out a backlog right now. You can email us too, signalonpodcast at gmail.com. Um, the first phone call, actually all three of these phone calls, there's a theme. So Kate Rambo's coming to the States in what, four days? Yes. Four days. Uh, you'll be in uh, the States for the first time. Never been to America before. Popping um, my cherry. Yep. You're going to be in the United States for the first time. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what your observations are and uh, what, what you think about it and the, uh, the bizarre culture especially of Los Angeles. Cause like Los Angeles is unlike any other city in the States. Like if you went, I bet you if you flew into like Bay city, Michigan, wouldn't be unlike where you're living now that much different. It's, I mean, yeah. it's obviously different probably cause way more fat people, but it's not going to be like that different, I guess just day to day. Whereas LA is definitely, I mean, it, t- it takes a while for 
like if someone like when I moved here, it took a little while to adjust because it's such a fucking weird city. So it'll be interesting for you to see your observations of Los Angeles, then observations of San Francisco, which is another weird fucking city, and then Vegas. So it's a it's a which good is cross, even weirder. Yeah, it's a good cross section of American culture. So we'll get to hear that. Now the reason I'm playing these calls is because Dwayne uh, was just out here. And he was in Los Angeles, I think, for the first time. And he has many observations. So I'm wondering okay. if his observations will parallel yours. So here's, uh, mm-hmm. here's Dwayne, long-time listener of the show. Hi. How you doing? Um, Kate, happy birthday. I know it's coming up soon. Um, Thank you. So, <laughs> right, dude. Um, I was in L.A. recently, and there are a few things that are different in L.A. than in London or England. Um, one, food is fucking expensive. There's no reason for it to be so expensive. Is it more expensive than London? Yeah, I've heard this about LA. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is When I first moved here from Chicago, I remember going food shopping. I was like, what the fuck? Everything's like at least $3 more expensive. And then that's not even the price. Because then you have to go to the till. And well, then they tell you the real price. Well, and then there's sales tax, like uh, That's uh, what I mean. state tax. Like the tax here, it's like something like 8 or 9%. It's crazy. It's crazy how much money you have to spend here. And then restaurants, I've noticed this too since COVID. So restaurants were already expensive, but now since COVID, they're even more expensive. I am looking forward to just going, how much? At everything. How much? You, Getting you, irate it. You will be shocked. Although the pound is worth more than the dollar. But still, I think just with the, how yeah, expensive everything is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just how expensive it is. I mean, put it this way. I think when you go to a bar in Hollywood, see how much it costs just for like a vodka soda. Which, how much would a vodka soda cost in Cumbria? Oh, God. Here, I can probably get it for like, I'll... Well, like if you go into quid, like a weather spoon, quid. you know what? We've got weather spoons all the way throughout this country. So even if you're in London, you know, you can get your double vodka and soda for like three, four quid. Three or four quid. So that would probably be like five bucks, six bucks. Yeah, something like that. It'd be 14, at least $14 for one here. And that's cheap. Yeah. It's probably going to be What about like... in a dive bar though? Hollywood dive bar. Well, We'll probably go to the Frolic Room. Even at the Frolic, you're paying eight bucks, I bet. Eight dollars for one. So it's double. Yeah. That's not too bad in the middle of Hollywood. I would say that's all right. It's uh, like Paris. It's ridiculous. Paris ridiculous how expensive it is. Like, whether it's in a restaurant or a supermarket, food is fucking ridiculously expensive. I don't know why. Um, I know why in America they're worried about transgenders in toilets and stuff like that. Because there's a fucking gap. Yeah. Every toilet I went to to have a shit, if somebody was standing on the other end of the toilet, like on the other side of the door, they would be able to look through the gap and make eye-to-eye contact with me whilst I was taking a shit. I don't know whether it's just bad workmen or something like that. They haven't seemed to have managed to get a door big enough for each cubicle. Uh, well, That is weird. I've never understood I've heard that. about that. It's like an inch almost. Like you could totally look through and see someone shitting. But I remember, for, I don't know why. I actually don't know for why. peepers, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's supposed to be for peepers. I don't know why you just have a fucking door, like a regular door. I remember in uh, my old job, there was a guy, the job, the Scientologist uh, company. Uh, there was a guy 
that would you knew he was in the shitter because you'd line toilet paper over the gaps. Oh, I remember so you, you talking about in. him. Yeah, it was so fucking weird. I mean, I don't know. Someone's Oh, that's me. weird, isn't it? But not constructing a proper door so that you can't see someone taking a shit isn't weird. It never really bothered me, I guess. I mean, I don't like to shit in public anyway. But if someone wants to watch me take a shit, I don't care. It's not that much I fun. Can't, I'm not looking forward to these American toilets. I don't. I later. wonder if it's like I that. Feel in the, in, Victorian. I wonder if it's like that in the women's restrooms. You have to tell me. I'm not sure. I, have you never been in a women's restroom before? I can't remember if they have the if they have like regular doors or if it's just like the constructed like the U.S. doors. Maybe I don't I will know. Soon find out. Yeah, you'll have to let me know. Oh, the roads and walking. Um, nobody walks, and it's really weird because in London, if you look on your Google Maps or whatever, and you walk, and it says it will take five minutes to walk, it normally takes about maybe ten, fifteen minutes to drive. Sorry, the other way around. Um, you'll get somewhere that will be a five-minute drive in LA, and when you see how long it takes to walk, an hour. I don't know why that is. Uh, what else? No, it is true. No one walks in LA. It's very I've weird. Heard that. And when and the other thing about LA too, because in San Francisco, most people walk. It's and there's public trans. It's more like a regular city. And same, I mean, Chicago too. It's just such a bitch to drive around there and, and park. You know, it's just easier to to take public transit walk. So I never even had a car the whole time I was in San Francisco. But that that was a huge adjustment for coming to LA, and it's fucked. It's fucked because there's just traffic everywhere, and it's yeah, a bitch to park. Ah, oh, yeah, I know. It's the, it's. I would say it's one of the worst worst things about LA is the is the having to deal with the car and driving. I mean, just today I went from. Uh, get my hair cut over in Silver Lake and to go from West Hollywood to Silver Lake it's only like maybe six miles five miles it took me almost an hour just through yeah. traffic I, I know. don't get it and like don't you think it would be cool if I could just go catch a train and just go the six miles away that's like how you would in a normal city how you would in London yeah or get a bus so we can't catch a bus I mean you can get a bus but you're still going to be in the traffic that's true. Yeah, no, it fucking sucks. Yeah. Oh, GTA. Yeah, you'll be fucking surprised. Um, especially when you go to, if you go to like um Santa Monica Pier, and yeah, beach, <laughs> it is literally exactly the same thing. Um, I spent most of my time going to my wife. Oh my god, it's, we're in GTA. Uh, what else? And I forgot about that. We I haven't been to Santa Monica Pier in like probably six or seven years. We should go there. We'll go there. It's, it's also funny because San Francisco and Las Vegas, there's all parts of that that are in GTA as well. So this whole trip every day, I'm just going to be like, I am Carl and I am living in San Andreas. Yeah, you'll definitely see a lot of landmarks that you'll recognize. I didn't even think about that. We Yeah, we'll probably end up going to, I want to go to Venice Beach is a lot of fun and it's kind of cool. But if you just keep walking up Venice, then you'll hit Santa Monica Pier, which is Santa Monica Pier, I wouldn't say I love that area, <laughs> but it isn't. I mean, it's whatever. It's fun to walk yeah, around. Yeah, you got to see People watching, yeah. Oh, the roads. In England, they go left, right, up, down. Um, in LA, they kind of twist. So you, as you go around the bend, the road is actually on one side of the road higher than it is on the other side of the road, um, especially on the freeway. It's really weird. It doesn't happen in England. Um, huh, I never noticed that. Quickly. I know that. 
I'll probably run out of my three minutes very soon. Uh, I'll call back. Bye. So he does call back here with part two. Cool. Hi, Dwayne again. Um, yeah, don't bother go to Hollywood Walk of Fame bullshit or um, <laughs> the Chinese theatre. Uh, you'll just be surrounded by people, homeless people, and tourists. Uh, when you live in London, uh, you know what it's like trying to get from A to B when there are loads of tourists around. But yeah. that is the most touristy area of uh, of the city. Is that whole Hollywood well, Walk of Fame, Groma's Chinese Theater? I mean, you kind of have to walk through it. That's also where, like, you you want to go to like Ripley's and Max Factor and yeah, and I want to see the First National Bank. First National Bank, that's all over there. But yeah, that area is like when you're a a person who lives in LA, I'd never go there. (laughs) That's like Cumbria with Keswick. Yeah, we we went to that town. It was packed with fucking tourists. Never ever go to Keswick if you live in Cumbria. It's just purely for the tourists. Absolutely. Like, that's kind of like going to, like, what, the fucking Tower of London or something. Yeah, it like is that the whole equivalent area. of that. If you yeah. want to see a sea of North Face jackets, you go to Keza. The The funny thing about that, though, is please do nothing to stop homeless people harassing tourists. So that is kind of funny to see, like, these fat Midwestern American tourists just kind of be like, not even knowing what to do when there's, like, a naked homeless guy screaming about Satan and Jesus in front of them. Yeah, and, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, that's entertaining, yeah. And every now and then someone gets stabbed, so that's kind of nice to watch. Oh, that'll be me. Um, you never know. <laughs> you never Could know what be. can provoke. It's like you literally have stark, raving, mad, schizophrenic people just sleeping on the street, and you're walking around them to go look at, like, you know, hands imprinted that'll on be the different. sidewalk. I haven't seen full on, like, homeless. <clears throat> I've seen homeless people, obviously, uh, in this country, but it wasn't really since I was in Prague. Oh, actually, no. When I was last in Paris, they have encampments in Paris. So I'll be seeing those for the it's, first time in a couple of years. It, since COVID, it's dramatically worse. Like, they literally have, like, tent cities on the streets and in, and in the underpass. That never, when I first moved here, it wasn't like that. Now it is. So you'll see that. The other thing, they'll have, like, I noticed this, too. The People live in their RVs, like, parked on the side of the street, and then they add, like, tents in the front of the RV so it's like a big condo RV that's kind of clever yeah I mean no one gives a shit about it they just let them do it so you'll be walking around that although it's different here like at least the homeless people here have like specified areas that they go take a shit in like in the alley or something San Francisco it's just you're gonna have a homeless person just shitting on the sidewalk right in front of you like I, I will bet you right now five bucks you're gonna see human fecal matter yeah, I like, hope I just don't step in it. You have to be careful. You got to watch yeah. for syringes, condoms, and shit. Human shit. What a fun <laughs> trip I'm going to have. <laughs> yeah, when we, go, uh, when we go to San Francisco, I'll walk you right through the loin. Yeah. You can check it out. Yeah. Not when there are loads of homeless people around smoking weed. Uh, with their dicks out and stuff like that. <laughs> that was very weird. <laughs> um, what else was there? Oh, fuck it, I can't remember. Oh, I believe, Dee, this is for you. I believe I know what Kate wants you to do when she dies. Um, If you know, if it's like a long-term illness thing and you know that it's going to take a while, um, I think she wants you to eat garlic 
just huge amounts of garlic. Um, and then when she dies, cover your dick in parsley, fuck her, come with your garlicky smelling cum, cut her pussy off, put breadcrumbs around it, deep fat fry it, and, and it'll be like a pussy Kiev. Wow. <laughs> he has thought about that. <laughs> you put some real thought into that. Well, considering the start of the show, Dwayne, mate, I was slagging off Chicken Kiev as one of the worst foods of, of all time. That is not what I want you to do. But now it's Pussy Kiev. Pussy Kiev. Maybe you would have to flatten out the pussy so it's like a schnitzel. That would probably please me more. Yeah, it'd be really garlic. That'd be a lot of garlic. Does that happen? If I eat like a ton of garlic, would my cum taste like garlic? Oh, yeah, of course it would, because all, all the stuff affects your cum, doesn't it? Down the line. Huh. So can you taste beer and cum? Hey, if beer tasted like cum, I would have, no, but I mean, I would if... have a mouthful of cum every two minutes. Like, come on. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is if I drank, you know, if we go out and I drank like, I don't know, 10 beers, would you be able to taste and be like, oh, you're drinking Heineken tonight? No, I think it's much stronger tasting stuff isn't it they say about pineapple makes you cum sweeter although i don't i think that's an urban myth but garlic would make your cum garlicky i think it would if you ate a whole roasted garlic every day for like a couple of weeks you'd have garlic garlic. well does does cum does it taste like cigarettes like if you're a smoker it's not so much i've never really noticed the flavor of cum changing necessarily it's the texture Oh, the texture. Oh, okay. So it's like smokers have a more, more phlegmy cum. Oh, it's like phlegmy. It's, it's like phlegmy, and sometimes it can be disgusting. So if you're like there... giving your boyfriend a blowjob after a heavy night out where you've both been and you've smoked, it'll be phlegmy. Is it? Is there a differentiation between like marijuana cum versus nic- like tobacco cum? Or Not that I've noticed. But maybe take a more dedicated cum scientist than I. Hmm. But like you are a decorated cum abused. scientist, yeah. You're a camalier. Camalier. <laughs> <laughs> then she gets the uh, necrophilia in there, and she gets the cannibalism. Oh, you I get both. Necrocannibalism, yeah. yeah. I don't know what would happen if it was halfway around. Maybe some kind of sausage roll or something. Yeah, I could Bye. do a sausage roll. Uh, good luck. Bye. <laughs> well, thank Thanks, you Dwayne. there, uh, Dwayne. It was a uh, very um, uplifting... I hope End he had a nice call. time with his wife. In yeah, LA. very inspiring. No, you know, uh, I didn't get to meet up with him because uh, we were talking about it. If it worked out, it worked out. I mean, that's the thing. I, I don't mind having a drink with people if it's convenient. I'm not going to go out of my way, and I don't want them to go out of their way to come meet me. But if it happens that I'm not doing anything that night and someone messages me and like, oh, I'm in town, you want to have a drink, I probably would go. I'm not, I'm not, that's the thing. Like, Wackerly would very rarely ever meet people. Very rarely. Unless they're a chick. Even then, he's only met, like, I think only, like, once. Harrison would meet chicks. Yeah. But he had, he, but he, he did hang out a couple times with dudes that, that were visiting. Um, I never leave my bunker anyways, but if I ever did, I, pro- I yeah, I'd meet people. Why not? But I don't leave my bunker, so good luck. Yeah, I mean, I, I usually, it depends. It depends on the, uh, on, on, on the convenience of it all, I guess. Uh, but yeah, Dwayne, I'm interested to see if Kate has similar observations when you're here. That'll, that'll be that'll be interesting. Plus, like one thing, I was talking about this t- uh, today to a friend of mine. When you move here, I mean, I've lived here for a long time, so a lot of the 
novel aspects of LA have just you know have worn completely. off completely. Like I'm just I'm just desensitized. I don't really think about it. But now I'm going to have to rediscover all this stuff. Do touristy stuff again. Go to museums, which I haven't done in like probably ten years. Go to like places like the La Brea Tar Pits. Because you yeah, I really it. want to see the tar pits. <laughs> I've never seen a tar pit. I'm going to lose my mind at that. I need to get a stick and touch the tar with the stick. The first time I ever went to the tar pits, I was like, wow, that's fucking cool. But now it's like, I don't even really think about it. I'm like, oh, there's the tar pits. It's just like, you know, anything that was special or novel about it's just kind of worn off. It'll like, ha- it happens to us all, mate. But yeah, I think yeah. what will be funny is I'll be super excited. I was like, I wonder at what point the shine like what will be the moment where something happens where I'm like fuck fuck this city I don't like it do you know what I mean where you're like oh after nine months you're like I'm fuck it's probably the first there's always a moment that happens it's probably the first time when you step in human shit (laughs) yeah I mean I could have stepped in human shit in London just never known it before it was dog shit London like I did see homeless people in London there were a few there didn't seem as aggressive and they didn't, they didn't seem to be as many, or maybe they're in an area of London that I didn't go to, but yeah, it's called the South. Hey, is it South of London? There's all the homeless people are. Yeah. Everyone in London is applauding me right now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, South London is just full of homeless. But San Francisco is a fucking tiny city. It's only seven by seven. So there's nowhere really for the homeless people to go. So they're everywhere yet. The, the police do a good job of keeping them out of like Pacific Heights where the white people uh-huh. live and in like North Beach. Like you won't see as many homeless people there, but they push them all into the Tenderloin and the financial district. And they're just it's they're omnipresent. I mean, they're everywhere and it's it's kind of impossible to avoid them. And L.A. definitely L.A. has like Skid Row where all the homeless people are. And you don't really find yourself over in Skid Row all that often, but you still see yeah. a ton of them around the city. So you're going to be. Yeah, you're going to notice that, I'm sure. But I don't know. Homeless people can be kind of amusing at times. So you'll see. Anyway, uh, Stuart. Stuart called in here. And uh, he's wishing you uh, a good, well, not only a good trip to L.A., but also like a good move to, uh, to the States. Hi, guys. Stuart here. Just calling in to wish Kate a good move to California. Must have been terrible for newlyweds to be separated for so long. Rather awful. Although I'm excited to see you in a few days. Probably yeah, I'm also not moving just yet, Stuart. This is a trip. Yeah, no, this is this is a trip, which I think is a good thing for you to like come see the uh, the city that you'll be living in. However, uh, we're going to talk about it on the second show, though. We definitely have an update to uh, the visa application. Yeah, we do. We have visa news. Visa news. So uh, we'll be talking about that on the second show. So this is it. Kate is ditching us for the California celebrity lifestyle. It's going to be a huge blow for the Northern Slag community. Don't think you'll ever recover. <laughs> no, seriously. I wish you all the best and lots of fun times. It's just a shame you don't want kids. I think you'd be great parents. We all know that Kate yeah. is the caring, nurturing kind, and Dee would be the coolest dad in Hollywood. Yeah, sure. But maybe you'll surprise us all one day. So safe travels, Kate, and Dee look after our Kate Rambo. Just want to finish with saying a thanks to Kate and Gino for getting me hooked on Rocket from the Crypt. What a great band. Oh, wow. So, catch you later. Stu out. I was wondering what he was listening to. I was like, God, that sounds kind of familiar in the background. Yeah, it's Speedo. Yeah. Now, great, great band, Rocket from the Crypt. When, and even uh, Rocket from the Crypt, uh, they have side projects that are really good, too. Uh, Swami has like 10 side projects, yeah. too. 
Like, no, there's, no, that's one of the minute. Well, he was in Hot Snakes. Hot Snakes. Now, that, he, that he's even starting up another new band at the minute, and they're playing their first gig soon. So Amy's yeah, uh, always got something going on. Yeah, that really cool band. Actually, they they play. He plays just like it's almost like Mike Patton. It always has like a million side projects going on. But being that Mike Patton lives in San Francisco, he's you you'll get just all these opportunities to see him. Rocking from the Crips to San Diego, and so it's like you they always play just these random gigs. And so I've got to see that band in his and his side projects many times. But really cool band, though. I do really quite enjoy them. We'll have to get Swami on him. The, we'll get him on the Patreon soon. I'll see what he's up to. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Anyway, thank you there, Stuart, for calling thank in. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, it will be a blow to the uh, Northern Slag community. No children, though. I would raise a psychopath. Oh, God. I they wouldn't even. I'm just puting on the wall. I'm too selfish for kids. I don't want to fucking deal with a kid. You know, actually, I got to say, I love my nephew. I love my nephew. That kid is amazing, but I can leave my nephew. I can go yeah. there and I can hang out with him for a couple of days. And when I get annoyed, I can leave. And I don't you know, see I him. actually think it's selfish to have children. What is unselfish is going to like the orphanage orphanage, and saying like, I want well, the one that's been here the kid. longest. And then you just take a ready-made one. That isn't selfish. It's selfish to mingle your DNA with someone else and to bring in a new life into this world when everything is all going up shit's creek all the time. What we're choosing to live our own lives is also very unselfish because we're not burdening society with yeah. our mingled DNA, which could go out and do anything. But also, I'm just, I don't want to care for, I mean, I have hard enough time caring for my cat. I well, can I imagine. I can imagine I devoting, for a baby, but that, that's the thing. Like my sister and Big Jer have like their lives are are irrevocably changed. They, they, it's yeah. all about the kid. I mean, I was even talk, talking to my sister about that, and she's just like, "You have no idea how much fucking work this is." She's like, "In balancing your work, because it's not like, especially for like someone like my sister and and Jer, you know, their parents are dead, so it's not like you can be like, Grandma's going to take care of the fucking kid. That's usually what happens." Like when you're younger and you have a kid, it's like grandma looks after the kid. You know, during you'd the day think, while you're you'd work. Hope. Yeah. But it, or they, at least you can like leave my kid with my mom for a weekend while we get away. Well, that's not possible with Stephanie and Jer because their parents are dead. So it's like they, they, it's even more work. Fuck that. I would never want to have to deal with a child. Do you know what I like more than children? Sleeping. Yeah, I like drugs. I like sleeping. I like watching, you know, horror movies. I don't like I watching I like spending kids my money movies. on fucking tat as well. If I want to buy something, I don't want to be like, oh, well, I can't buy this because I have to budget because there's a baby here. Yeah, because you have to pay for your fucking nanny. Yeah. Nah, fuck I'll that. I'll buy whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> Thank you, Stuart, but no. I'm getting a vasectomy, Stuart, all right? <laughs> you've, made, you've driven me to it. You've driven me to it. People this call the Sick Wrong Hotline. Yes, call the Sick Wrong Hotline, 323-522-4032. We did get one email from a person named Alva. Alva writes, hey, you two, listener since autumn 2007. That's a long fucking time, Alva. Uh, there is a Japanese film about Sada Abe that I saw in London in a couple of art house cinemas in the 80s. It's called In the Realm of the Senses. Uh, it came out in 1976. It's surprisingly pornographic. The actors actually have sex in it. That's why I saw it twice. There is sushi involved as well as a scene of her laying a boiled egg. It's still available on DVD, I believe. I'm going to have to look for this. I was reading about it when I was researching, but I never saw... I saw In the realm of the senses? Like, screen grabs. 
I'm going to see her lay a boiled egg. Did she do it with her mind? There's been a lot of eggs coming out of vagina this episode. Yeah, did she do it with her mind? That's what I want to know. Thank you, Alva. Definitely check it out. Uh, People, we need you to support this show on Patreon. That is the only reason I'm still doing this show. (laughs) I'm being completely blunt with you. Um, I, I would like to have my life back, but I'm keeping it going for the patron because we have people that really, really enjoy the show so much that they're actually willing to give us money to keep us going. So that, that is something I definitely appreciate. You are supporting the show and you are directly responsible for me continuing to do it every week. Um, so that being said, we give you a lot and we're not just asking for a fucking donation here. We're giving you, you, you give and you get a lot put that way. Um, you get a whole second show that we do on just for the patron. Uh, it's at the five dollar tier, just five bucks a month. That's not that much. That's like the cost of what, like, not even. That's like, that's like half the cost of a beer in LA. Well, I was about to say yeah, over here, it's a it's a double in Weatherspoons. A double in spoons. A double in spoons. You could sign up and you get a whole second show. It's uh, this week actually. We're chatting about. A lot, we're kind of going more detail about the visa process. We got some news. Okay, moving over here, as well as her upcoming holiday to Hollywood. Um, I also go into detail of a, uh, a, a lesbian birthday party I went to last <laughs> night that evolved into a full-blown 20-person orgy. And spoiler alert, that's when I got kicked out. But <laughs> it, was, it was just really weird. The whole event was surreal. And I talk about that on uh, second show. So go check it out. I mean, the format's a little bit different, a little more personal, a little more anecdotal. Um, and, uh, we also do, uh, you know, sick and wrong, uh, news roundup. So we're still doing news there on the second show and that's only five bucks a month. And for a few bucks more, you can get the sick and wrong news segment where, uh, Kate actually this week did a goth news special with the big titty goth detective from the discord. Yeah, um, so fun. yeah, looking forward to checking that out and not to mention she, um, not only uh, big titty goth detective is not only on the news, she was also guest host on overkill this week. Uh, where you guys did a, a whole uh, segment on haunted Hollywood, yeah, which uh, did you focus on? Visit. Did you focus on specific places? Can you give us like one teaser? Uh, the Pantages Theater. The Pantages Theater. A lot went down in Pantages. That's a it's a really cool venue. I saw Alice Cooper there. It's a pretty amazing that would be show. amazing to see Alice Cooper. It was, a, it was an amazing show. Um, anyway, you get that. You get second show. You get news. You get a lot of stuff. When you sign up for uh, Patreon, that's patreon.com slash sick and wrong. We do really appreciate you keeping the show going. Yes, we love you. Also, you can get some uh, sick and wrong merch if you don't have some already. There's a, uh, I'm sure there's a sale. There's always a sale <laughs> at the T Public stores. Go to sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. Uh, finally, here's sick and wrong song of the week. So, once again, another celebrity rock star death. Uh, this what time, happens? yeah, this time uh, Mark Lanigan uh, from a uh, former singer of the Screaming Trees and also like, you know, uh, he had his own solo projects for, for the past few decades. And he collaborated with a lot of musicians over the years. Tons. I like his songs with uh, PJ Harvey. Yeah, PJ Harvey, uh, Greg Dooley from Afghan Wigs, um, Isabel Campbell. She's from uh, Bell and Sebastian, I think. I'm she not is. a huge fan of, but. I do love her voice, actually. No, I don't. I don't like any of that cardigan music. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the band, but I love her voice with Mark Lanigan, though. Yeah, so, they work really well together. Yeah, they, it, it definitely balances out. He had that such a raspy voice. That guy was a very like uh, distinct, distinct sound. 
Yes. And they a and, very distinct heroine. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. Do you do you ever actually see him live? I had I've seen Mark Lanigan live at Reading Festival of all fucking places. Uh, yeah, I think he would have been better in a much smaller venue than Reading Festival. I think the best time I ever saw him was at the Roxy. Um, my friend Daniel, who's a listener to the show, what's up there, Daniel? He'll you'll remember that because Daniel almost got in a fight with a guy. This guy. What with Mark? No. Oh no, a different guy. No, no. But Daniel was there with his girlfriend, and this fucking asshole kept like trying to push him like out of the way and like push his girlfriend out of the way. And Daniel had to be like, dude, settle down. I mean, and it's not like it's an energetic show. It's not show. No. Mark, Mark, Mark Lanigan just he barely even talks between songs he's just the lights really dark and he's just kind of like very sullen and very serious and he's like i mean he sounds great and his songs are amazing but yeah it's really weird um i saw him one time at the l at the el Rey, which is another really cool venue here in uh in la uh with jojo and i remember i was standing there the whole time and joe's like do you see who's standing next to you and i was just like uh who is duff mckagan from Guns N' roses i I don't know. I mean, I, I'm really bad at recognizing people, but when I looked at him, I was like, oh shit, that is tough. He was like there with his wife. Apparently he collaborated with uh, Mark Lanigan too. Yeah, I bet he did. Well, Mark Lanigan was from that whole Seattle scene, like the, the grunge scene. I know he collaborated like, uh, with, uh, Kirk Cobain and everything, but an interesting thing about Mark Lanigan, Screaming Trees, that was the first show I ever saw on my own as a teen. I think I was 15. It was at the Capitol theater in Flint, Michigan. And that was like, I think my friend Kessler could drive at that point. And so we drove and saw Screaming Trees play the Capitol Theater. And like two weeks later, we saw Fugazi at the Capitol Theater. It was my second show on my own. <laughs> Neither, you didn't see titties at either of those gigs though, did you? I doubt it. I, well, maybe Fugazi used to have, there's chicks like Fugazi. Straight edge chicks. Fucking tits out of Fugazi no, show. Def- oh, Do you no know way. what? If there was tits at a Fugazi show, it would be shut down because it's straight edge. I think Ian. I think Ian McKay would be like, "Put your shirt back on." He'd stop the show, and he'd he be would. like, "Put your shirt back on." Yeah. I remember one time. One time I saw him. He was. Uh, I've seen Fugazi a ton of times, but I remember uh, one time he was. I like, feel sorry for you. Oh, I like Fugazi, and their their shows are amazing, and they're only five bucks. They're a fucking great band. I uh, on paper I like them, but oh god, no, not. Uh, I still I still think they're a great band, but uh, Ian McKay would stop the show and be like, "Settle down." There's women in the pit, and like people are being too violent. He's just like, "Be respectful," and it's just like, "Dude," <laughs> or then one time he stopped. He like stopped the show and was bitching about people smoking. Like it was oh, just like okay, grandma. Yeah, no, fucking, he's so straight edge and just yeah, and then never understood it. But yeah, their shows are very entertaining. Anyway, Mark Lanigan died uh, this past week. Um, he was only fifty-seven years old. I know? mean, but come on, he's a he's been an alcoholic and a junkie on and off since what the early eighties. He's done pretty well to get to fifty-seven, I must say. Yeah, no, and and you know he was actually in a coma from COVID. I don't know if he was an anti-vaxxer, but he was in like a coma for a period of time from COVID. I don't know so, if he was an anti-vaxxer. I just think it fucked him. Uh, yeah, he got it. No. He actually, he he wrote a book that came out last year um, about contracting COVID and wrote like a whole thing about it and just, and how difficult it was. He said, apparently my light had gone, had almost gone out permanently more than once, according to the doctors and the nurses. Um yeah, but in addition to you know being in Screaming Trees and and uh, uh, all these collaborations he's done over the years, he was even a member of Queens of Stone Age for a while. 
which I, I didn't know about that. Sadly, yes. Um, he was the author of three books. He published in 2017, I Am the Wolf, which is like lyrics and writing, his, his musings on lyrics throughout his career. Uh, in 2020, he had a memoir that came out called Sing Backwards and Weep, which is a stark portrait of a musician looking back on his hard life and uh, the lives that he hurt. Jojo he Kelly. He slags a lot of people off in that book. He does. Uh, did he slag off uh, Courtney Love? He slags off Courtney. Even though Courtney Love paid for him to go to rehab three times, yeah. Slags you know, her off. The other thing, JoJo Kelly wrote that book. He says he's like, dude, that guy was kind of a dick. Like he used to get in a lot of fights. Like he would just yeah, drink a ton a... and get into a fight. Yeah, he's an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, very talented musician. And so uh, we're gonna end the song, the show here uh, with a song that he did, um, an album called Hawk, which was like a collaboration he did with Isabel Campbell. I think they did two two records together. This came out in 2010. It's a great, great album, and their voices worked really well together. And this particular song is a cover of, a, of a, one of my favorite musicians, Towns Van Zandt. It's a song, Snake Song. Um, yeah. So rest in peace, Mark Lanigan. And people, I definitely recommend uh, checking out some of his bands. Um, people will be back next week with episode 833. Until then, take it sleazy.
went in yesterday and there was a television screen and I said, this is genius. Putin declares a big portion of the Ukraine, of Ukraine. Putin declares it as independent. Oh, that's wonderful. So Putin is now saying it's independent, a large section of Ukraine. I said, how smart is that? And he's going to go in and be a peacekeeper.